Hey firecrackers, it's Naomi and welcome to the firecracker department and welcome back from our small spring hiatus. I took the time in the spring hiatus to go to Rome and take an acting intensive workshop with a studio that I've been working with uh, led by Michelle Lonsdale Smith and it was, gosh I don't even know how to encapsulate it in a small amount of words because it was such a big 10 days. I guess what I'll say is it was just an amazing opportunity to just recharge, recharge my artist. Well, honestly, I came away feeling like really good and really excited, but also I've got a lot of work to do as an artist. I don't know if that resonates for you, but in the arts, I feel like it ebbs and flows and there's sometimes when it's flowing and there's sometimes when it's ebbing and I feel like right now I've got to just get to work. I've got to wake up in the morning and put art as a priority and I think that's gonna make me really happy because I love my job so much I love this podcast I love the firecracker department I love being an actor I love it all so much and I just have to put it as a priority you know does that resonate with you that's one of the things I've come away with from my week in Rome and here's the coincidence our guest today is Italian. How's that for a little segue? Our guest this week is screenwriter, director, and producer Laura Teruso. Now I first met Laura because Laura directed a movie that I was in called Work It on Netflix. And here's the thing, I wanted this role so badly. It was the mom of the main character played by Sabrina Carpenter and I just got her. I just liked the vibe of this whole character. And so working up for not only the audition but then the callback and just feeling not only really good about the audition but you know Laura was in the room and just working with her a little bit I was like oh I really dug her vibe as well. I was so nervous because I wanted it so much and I had a friend that was in my corner, Danny Fredericks, and Danny had reached out to me. Actually, Danny reached out to me originally when the role even came available and said, you have to audition for this role. So I connected with my agent and got the audition, but he was just in my corner from the beginning. Like, we all need our cheerleaders, but Danny Fredericks, man, he really stepped up for me and gave me a whole boost of confidence just having his support, and I'll never forget that. And then working with Laura was amazing, and then on set with Laura was amazing. She's such an actor's director. People say that all the time, but when you're working with somebody like that, you feel like you're collaborating. You're not just like bringing something to the table. You're bringing something to the table that you're sharing, and then she's sharing her vision, and working with Sabrina Carpenter was a treat and a half. Not only is she amazingly talented, she's so kind, and she has such a huge heart, and uh, jokes, like she's so fun. I really could have stayed on that set like forever. And when Laura agreed to doing this interview, I was absolutely thrilled because as you'll find out, she's just a gem. She's a gem of a person. She's an amazing artist. And I feel like my talk is just gonna sort of blow your brain open a little bit. It did for mine anyway. As you might be able to tell, I got a little bit of a cold. It's not COVID. I'm fine. I'm gonna push through it. All right, on with the show. Now, Laura is a graduate from NYU's graduate film program at the Tisch School of the Arts. Her feature film debut as writer, director, producer is Fits and Starts, which premiered at the 2017 South by Southwest Film Festival. This comedy is about a struggling writer who can't seem to escape his wife's literary success. And then when a road trip to a publisher's salon takes an unexpected turn, he has to face his own creative shortcomings and find a way to regain control of his life and work. 
Now, I know you're gonna wanna check it out. It's on Amazon. Absolutely check that out. Put it on your list. And then also add this to your list. Laura also co-wrote and directed the comedy Good Girls Get High, which won the Audience Award at the 2018 Santa Fe Film Festival and currently holds a 100% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes! She also, now this is another one for your list, just start writing this down, all these Laura Teruso films. Hello, My Name is Doris, which is a feature that Laura co-wrote and co-produced, and it stars somebody maybe you've heard of, I think you might have, Sally Field. Yes! It's so good. It's so beautiful. Sally Field is amazing to watch, and knowing Laura a little bit, you can see how she's had a hand in the directing of this, and it just is a beautiful collaboration. Again, it's this beautiful collaboration. The film is about how a self-help seminar inspires 60-something woman to romantically pursue her younger co-worker. Hello, My Name is Doris is based on Laura's short film, Doris and the Intern. Now, the feature, Hello, My Name is Doris, is released on Roadside Attractions and went on to become one of the top grossing indies of 2016. Throw it on your list, go see it. I promise you, you'll love it. Now, as I said earlier, I met Laura when she directed the Netflix film, Work It, and that premiered worldwide as the number one movie on Netflix US in its first weekend, and it remained in the top 10 for two weeks. Yes. As I said earlier, Sabrina Carpenter's in it, and she's fantastic, but it's also got like the superstar, Liza Koshy, who you might know from being an internet star, but Liza's like, Oh my gosh, she's the funniest person on and off camera. And then she's the kindest person. We just had like these great chit chats off camera and she's an amazing person. So if you like dance movies or you know somebody who does, you're gonna wanna watch Work It. It also stars Jordan Fisher, who is killer talented in this movie and actually everything he does. So throw Work It on your list as well. Now, Laura is currently in post-production on the Lionsgate film About My Father, starring a little up-and-coming actor, Robert De Niro, maybe you've heard of him, and Sebastian Maniscalco. And I know you're gonna wanna see all the Laura Teruso films. In fact, you could make a night out of it. You could have like a Laura Fest 2022. I know that I'm gonna be like one of the first in line at the movie theater to watch the Lionsgate film with Robert De Niro from what Laura's talked about. It just sounds amazing, it sounds uh, personal. It sounds like she directed from her heart, which is kind of the way she directs. I can't wait to see it. You'll hear Laura and I talk about her working with Bob. Yeah, Robert De Niro. I can't imagine ever calling him Bob, but she says it. And uh, the stories that she has from working with Robert De Niro is amazing. Let's get on with the show. So here is my fantastic chat with my friend, the amazingly talented Laura Teruso. Hey, 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 I feel like I made up having a podcast just so that I have an excuse to talk to people like you. <laughs> I just was like, what's she doing? What's it? I feel also that there was like this precipice of like hangouts for you and I, and then everything just went. Yep. Yeah. Penny D happened. Yeah. Yeah. Long hair happened. Everything happened. Our hair grew. I took up hiking. I mean, our lives are changed forever. <laughs> I won't see a jumpsuit without thinking of you. I just won't. It just can't happen. I, have, I, I think I left all my jumpsuits in New York and I feel okay about it. Okay. But that was such a fun shoot. I'm telling you. I love Toronto. I loved every single person on our crew. Like our cast was extraordinary. It was just 
that was such a special experience. I'm Michelle so Buteau, come on. What? I know. Right? Like what? Because here's the thing. People think directors when they're directing feature films or when you're directing anything really. And they're like, oh, this is like old hat. I think directors are just the coolest regardless of what they're <laughs> directing. You could be directing like a short film about squirrels and I'd be like, you're the coolest. What was it like for you stepping into that role directing work? Because it was new for you a little bit, huh? It was the biggest movie that I've directed because I started out doing indies in New York with like, it would be like me producing and holding the boom or, you know, me shooting and gaffing at the same time. And right. we would just be stealing locations and shooting on the streets. And yeah. like, I came up in the like New York indie run and gun at don't ask permission school. So mm -hmm. this was the first film that I'd done. I mean, I had been on a set the size of our set. Before. Yeah. No, I hadn't because ours was, he it was huge. It was huge. It was like all those extras for the dance recitals and things like that. That was a lot. Yeah. I mean, I had done, I did a, a million dollar movie right before Work It with the same producers, Les and Lisa at Alloy, that was called Good Girls Get High. And we had such a great experience doing that. And that was like sort of like a bigger crew, bigger footprint, you mm -hmm. know, for more days. You know, we had, um, a, a, just an extraordinary cast for that. And it was such a good experience that when they had work it, they were like, hey, come in and pitch on this thing. And I totally identified with the Quinn character because yeah. I never danced before. Like I, I, you know, I was like just a nerd in high school and I had to learn how to dance for my high school musical because no. I really wanted the lead. And I, and I was like, I am determined. And so I took ballroom dancing lessons. What? <laughs> oh my gosh. Were you, did you read the script and be like, how did you know my story? It was, it was like, I really connected to this character and oh hooked my it. Gosh. And so I learned how to dance for this. What? <laughs> play and Wait, so what was the play first of all it was crazy for you the George Gershwin musical yes yeah I played I can't even remember her name now it was like I played the like rootin tootin like she was like <laughs> an Annie Oakley kind of like gun slinging you know but then she's yeah. actually vulnerable and singing someone to watch over me and oh my Oh god. my god, it's 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 the tapes are out there the tapes are out there Wait, did you get the did you book it Oh yeah, I was the lead in my high school. Oh musical. my God. So you worked your butt off training yourself <laughs> to dance, dance and you earned it. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yes. I think it's a lot easier. Like when we talk about like going from indie, New York, scrappy, run and gun mm -hmm. and coming up in that world and going from that to like a $20 million studio movie, yeah. it's a lot easier to have had that experience than to go backwards <laughs> and start start like you know on a huge movie and then yeah. like you know I, I really feel like I was so well trained on the streets of New York City I mean you truly but like what were the things because I feel like also you'll there will be times like in your future that you might do something with less of a budget than work it had I am right now I, I feel like it's yeah it's it's a good practice to have like to to do I just directed uh, another huge studio movie with Robert De Niro. A couple of up-and-comers. Menescalco, just a couple of newbies. Yeah, and 
Simultaneously, I started shooting a project uh, with my friend Joseph Keckler, who's a performance artist in New York, right before I went to do that. And that, that that's like, we have like a $100,000 budget for that. Right. You know, it's, it's just, I just think it's healthy to be constantly creating and to give yourself limitations you know, while, while the budget is small, it's also like, we don't, we have total creative control. We can kind of make something, you know, Mm -hmm. and the more money that is, I think, involved in a project, it's not even less creative control because I, I still feel like I'm in creative control of, of projects when they are bigger. It's just the more voices you have uh, playing in and the more kind of collaborative it becomes. And the more money you have, the more opportunity you have, and you can use that song you like, or that an actor that that you're like, wow, this person's going to be in my movie. It's kind of insane. I found out, a friend of mine texted me this week that in his career, he has worked with four, I am the fourth female director that he has worked with. That was Robert De Niro. And the others are Agnes Varda, Penny Marshall. (laughs) And Nancy Myers. I mean, oh my gosh, it's making me wiggle. These are like my icon. Like what? These are the people like that I get to be in a club with. With those directors is just like mind blowing. Yeah, blowing. I do love the discussion of like indie versus big budget because you know you're like you know we only had a hundred thousand and you know people are listening going hundred thousand yeah give me like exactly give me four of those and I'll do something (laughs) so but there's things that you gain and then there's things that you lose too right like when you have a bigger budget you're gonna have to talk to more people there's probably more meetings and things take five times as long because it takes five times as long to light something when you've got a hundred people you know our our set for work it it was like I was like oh my god there were like a hundred people lighting things and gaffing and putting up scrims and screens and I was like wow like the level of expertise and talent and like people who have just been doing this for a long 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 time and like so focused on their one I'm very grateful for my experience at NYU. I studied in the grad film program at NYU. And what I love about that program is it, it, you learn everything. So I learned how to shoot. I learned how to record sound. I learned how to edit. I learned, I learned everything, but then, you know, and so I know how to gaff, you know, if if we're doing something DIY, like micro budget, like, yeah, I can make it look good. Mm -hmm. But the level of talent, when you're talking about a film like Work It, where every single frame is composed and controlled gorgeous. and the lighting is just like, what? Like gorgeous. Yeah. It's just so, it's such an honor to get to, to work at that level. And I, and I feel so grateful every day that I like am here. It's yeah. just extraordinary. It feels like you went from, not zero in the indie sense, but like you did just leap into working with folks like Sally Field and then Robert De Niro, I mean, just to name a few. But does that make your head spin? Like, how do you keep sort of grounded in the craft of what you're creating? Here's the thing. I don't think it benefits us to get starstruck in our jobs. No. So no. if you were like every day going, oh, Robert De Niro, Robert De Niro, no. it's serve it's you. funny because it's like, I think the people around me were more starstruck than I was. I just was like, wow, I'm, I'm going to have the ability 
like, don't get me wrong. I was definitely the book, like before oh, yeah. the first meeting, I was like, I listened to like Eye of the Tiger and was like <laughs> dancing around my house. Like, all right, Laura, this is it. Like, you got, you got to nail this. This is the moment. Like, oh, and um, I think what is so wonderful about having, like, it is so wonderful to, to get to work, work with people that, who are at that insane level of talent, experience, dedication. It's just mind boggling. But like, what I've learned is that everybody just wants to tell a great story. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's the words on the page, it's the characters, it's the, it's the worlds. An actor wants to play a role. And, yeah. it's, and when I read Sebastian's script, I was like, I'm just, I'm feel so lucky that I got to direct this movie because mm -hmm. I was sent the script by my agent and she was like, hey, you know, you're Italian. Do you know this, this comedian? Of course I knew Sebastian because yeah. he's, he's extremely well known, especially in the Italian American community because a lot of his comedy is about being uh, first generation, which I also am. My, right. my mother immigrated at exactly the same time as Sebastian's father. Mm. So my mom immigrated from Sicily the same, like, like, like the same year, I think. Uh -huh. And they were both really young when they immigrated. And so a lot of his comedy is about his relationship with his dad and his dad right. being, you know, uh, an immigrant and what that is like. So I knew his work and I loved his work. And then when I read the script, I was like, holy shit, I have to direct this movie because yeah. it was my relationship with my mother. I just felt so connected to it and on an emotional level mm -hmm. and that's how you know that it's a story that you have to tell yeah it's like if, you, if I don't connect to it emotionally if I can't put myself in the characters then it's not for me to direct yeah I know what you said about like everybody wants to tell stories but I think the tricky part is making sure that everybody is in the same story do you know what I mean and has the same passion for it because I think that was one of the most attractive things about working with you on work it was that you did care so much and I could see that it wasn't just a job for you I'd love to hear about your pitches because I think that's another thing people don't know about is that directors don't just go hmm, what should I direct today that you have to you have to work at it for for studio jobs you have to create a pitch and you have to basically sell yourself as to as to why you are the director for this specific project and for me personally, after my pitch, so I put together like an insane pitch for Sebastian's movie. And I was the dark horse going into the race. It, mm. it was like, they were interviewing me and like five old white guys, you know? And mm. it was like, I was like, I am the person for this movie and this is why. And it was like, I connected it. I was like, this is my story. This is my mother. This is our, and I, I had a vision for how certain scenes, how I mm. saw certain scenes. And like, I just put together like, a, it was like a 40 page presentation where wow. I took them through every single aspect. I basically made the film, you know, yeah. like, made the film, yeah, right. <laughs> here's your movie. And they were like, oh, wow, this is, right. this is the movie. And so I, by the time you went to shoot it, you're like, oh, is, I'm ready already. I've got exactly. I time think to that's what you have to do. Yeah. When you pitch on a job is like, make the film, like make it in your head and be able to convey to whoever you're pitching to, whether be it the studio, the producers, the, the actors, whatever, the film you're making, because 
look, if you get the job, that's what you're going to be doing right. for, the next, for the, the entirety of prep is constantly communicating to everyone that you're working with. This is the film that I'm making. This is how I want to make it. This is how I want it to look. This is how I want it to sound. This is what I want the soundtrack to be like. This is what I want the camera work to be like. This mm -hmm. is, you know, every single piece of the filmmaking process, you know, you are in charge of. So mm -hmm. it only makes sense to have all that hashed out in your presentation because you're only going to use it later. And if you don't get the job, then, you know, like I, I, I then, then years later, you can be like, oh, well, that movie sucked. This is what <laughs> I would have done with it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's a very different process where, whereas with indies, you write the script or, you know, you right. work with, with the screenwriter and you find the financing and you make the, the film. It's, it's just a completely different process and cup of tea. And we're actually in the process now of testing the film, which is a whole, Oh yeah, what's that like? I've been in the audience for tests before and I felt very yeah. responsible. I, I was like one of 300. I was very responsible. I think it's a, a really beneficial thing because mm -hmm. you can see it. I mean, this is an audience movie. It's a feel-good crowd pleaser of a movie. And so it's great to watch an audience watch it because yeah. Like, yeah that joke's not hitting as hard I'm gonna try yeah. something else there yeah this like what what do you say something else like what would you do like I, like, I as you know having worked with me I always have a million alts you know like yeah I have to, a like, buffet a buffet there's a buffet <laughs> of jokes so so if one doesn't work I'll try a different one and right. um, and sometimes that one will hit so it that's it's been going really well and I I find it tremendously helpful. I do think it would be very different if I had made like a dark drama where it's like it ends tragically. Yeah. Because the test audience would be like, that was sad. I didn't like it. You know, it'd be yeah. like, oh my God, that's, it would be the worst. So what will you tweak if you sort of see if a joke doesn't land the way you wanted it to land? What would you, would you edit it differently? Just totally try a different take. Right. Um, and this is my first time having that the you know the luxury of this of this process right uh, which has been great with work it we had like a friends and family screening um but we never we never did like tests you yeah. know which which yeah. are so it's so interesting yeah it's been a really wonderful process and yeah i'm in post now and it's like being in a room sitting on a couch i i realized now I'm like, I got to become an early riser. I'm, I'm not naturally. Are you a, uh, an early riser? Are you a morning person? Or I've night? tried to, be, this is what I've tried to do. I'm, I'm not good after 10. Like I st after 10, I have to do things that are physical, like moving boxes from here to here. Cause my brain <laughs> tends to like, like I can't memorize lines late, late at night, but I love getting up early. I love like the morning before everybody's up and the world like, starts humming. Do you wake up normally? I do like a uh, 637. Wow. What do you do? I'm normally a like, oh, it's eight. I got to get up, but I don't want to. And then I'll hit the snooze. It'll be like 830. And I, I know I have to be at the office by 930. And I'm like, I got to go. I got to go. And, yeah. you know, I'm just. Let me be real with you. I, I That's not an everyday. I try to. And then I kind of like set my alarm for the 637. <laughs> and I'm like, snooze till late. But I try to get up before the. <laughs> I'm 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 trying now to make a concerted effort to become more of a morning person because yes otherwise I will not exercise and yeah. that's not good no 
and also as a writer, it's, you know, edit, editing is a part of, yeah. is it's the same brain you're using to write. Like writing and editing, I think are the kind of the same thing. Which, oh, that's interesting. I've never really looked at it like that. Be, tell me more about that. Well, I think it's the same process in that it's like, it's like you have this sculpture and you're editing. Because I think I've never written something in one pass and been like, it's done. <laughs> right. I it's mean, done. wouldn't that be dreamy, right? And yeah. done. Next project. Next, exactly. <laughs> like, who does that? So for me, writing is all about editing and being like, oh, that's interesting. Mm. And I should try a scene where this happens or that, you know. And I think that that editing is very much the same process where we'll have this scene that was written this way. And then it's like, well, let's try that joke alt. And actually let's come in on this line instead of the line that's supposed to come in. You know, you're, yeah. you're reconstructing and directing is, is similar only with directing. And I think that's why I love directing. It's, you have no time. So it's instinctive. Mm. It's like yeah. you're in the moment. It's like improv or I've never, and I've never done improv, but I, I, I write, I free write. Um, and I would think that mm -hmm. improv is a lot like free writing, but, but in public. Yeah. Where <laughs> yeah, you're not sensing yourself and you're just kind of going on. The yeah. only difference is you can like edit afterwards. And if I'm improvising, I'd be like, just forget that last scene, everybody. It didn't really work. <laughs> Erase it from your mind. Did you do, um, because you're, you're a second city person. Mm -hmm. Did you do like the kind of shows where it's like, okay, audience, you know, like give us a, it's like a, a chair and a plant and a, okay, and now we're going to just do a show based on this chair and a plant. Like, it's just that, yeah. that stuff is so cool and so mind boggling. And I'm just like in awe of when it's, when it's done well, you're like, what geniuses are these people that they can pull this hilarity out of a, a word and yeah. it's just insane you're making me miss it so much because we haven't like even this discussion makes me want to get teary because I love it so much but you're right like it is similar to when you're free writing mm -hmm. and if you're not censoring yourself you're just going like like, and it's okay if you go on a tangent because you can always come back and you and the audience will go with you if you're going with yourself as long yeah. as, as it's true, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, where did you learn that? Like, where's, because I do feel like, like art and business mm -hmm. are very odd bedfellows. And it's easy for art to get pushed aside because business is so, especially in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. How are you doing with the balance of those two things? That's such a good question. I think I'm doing well. And it's because I'm staying true to myself. Mm. And I'm only directing things that I feel like I want to spend two, two years of my life. Yeah. Cause it's so immersive. Like you, I bet you could tell me every frame that, you know, from, from work out of this new project that yeah. you've been working on, you oh, know, I, it, I so. watched the movie and I recite it to myself as I'm watching it. Cause I, I know it by heart cause I've seen it hundreds of times already. And I think of like, my films are like my children. <laughs> as cheesy as that sounds and I'm spending such a tremendous period of time with each film and with the world and with the story and if if it's something that's not meaningful to me then right it's, you know what I are we doing this revelation during the pandemic when we were all in lockdown where I was writing every day and just you know doing a lot of hiking and like soul searching 
And I thought, man, like if I'm lucky, it takes about two years from, you know, conception to finish, not, and not, not, not even conception because conception happens with, with the writing process. But like when you start on a studio film to when you finish a studio film, it's usually like a year and a half, two years. And that's without writing it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, okay, how many films do I have left? Yeah. When, when I think about my life and like how many years of gainful employment wow. do I have left? Mm-hmm. How many, you know, like it's not endless. So you don't want to make a decision that's going to affect two years of your life. Yeah. That you're not like, yeah, I, I want to spend a year of my life on this. I want to spend two years of my life on this because I think about it all the time. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm so passionate and so dedicated. And it's like, you know, I, what world do I want to live in for two years? And how do I want people to feel when they come out of my movies? Yeah. Does that make you anxious though? That kind of limited time feeling? No, no because I think this approach is the right one. <laughs> And I feel like anytime I'm tempted to like do something because of X, Y, Z. Yeah. But I know that it's not, you know, it's like you're, you're being tempted for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of brings me back to like, yeah. okay, you know, and what, what's been so incredibly fulfilling about, about my father is this movie is Sebastian's love letter to his father and it's my love letter to my mother like it's just to be able to to write that kind of a love letter to your parent and then Mm -hmm. have them watch it my gosh that just gave me chills (laughs) right because some people work their whole life and don't even know how to put that into words and you were given that project not given it like you obviously had to work for it but but it it came came to you and I think that's why Bob said yes you know because Mm -hmm. It was something that was true to both Sebastian and I. It was something Mm -hmm. that came from our lives. It was something that we knew really intimately. And what I've really learned from him is trust. Like just trust, like the practice of trust. Because I pled my case, I explained why, you know, what my vision was for the film, why I was passionate about it, why I was making it, why I wanted him to do it. Mm -hmm. And he just trusted me. And he didn't question like my decisions and he, but he always had really smart like input. And Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a filmmaker, he's, he's direct. And same with Sally, Sally Field is also just such a, such a filmmaker. And I think the best actors think holistically about the film. They're not just thinking about my, me here, my performance. They're thinking about everything. They're thinking 360 about what's going on, all the decisions being made. And really, you know, he, he really trusted me and that, that meant so much. And mm-hmm. Was um, there a moment of that I, kind of solidification of trust? Cause I do feel like for me meeting you, I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm in, I mean, uh, if she asks me to organize her spice drawer, I'd be like, <laughs> I'd, I'd be, it'd be my pleasure. But like, there's something that has to happen sometimes that is a challenging moment that you persevere and get through? Was there anything like that on set with you? We talked a lot during prep mm-hmm. and during casting and during during that whole process. And I mean, we would we would talk like every other day. And yeah. we had, I felt like we had such a good rapport and relationship 
an understanding of what we were creating going into it mm-hmm. that it just felt really strong. And I can say that I feel like Sally Field on Doris had that kind of relationship with Michael Showalter, who directed the film, where they were in touch a lot. And mm-hmm. there's just a trust that develops over time. Agreed. And so, yeah, that was, it's, it's just extraordinary. And the, and the, the ability to, you know, uh, on set, I'm constantly like coming up with alts and pitching jokes and sort of rewriting as I go, which yeah. I know, you know, we did a lot of that on market. I remember that scene where Quinn comes down the stairs and you're like, why are you dressed like Shakira? Like what, <laughs> you know, she's like, I'm going to the library, mom. And I, you know, you were just coming up with alts. And I was like, okay, try this, try that. You know, we were just trying. It's play, things. right? We're just playing. Like as soon as we start, I feel like as soon as I get on a set that isn't playful, it's so limiting. And you know, you can do it. It's ABC. It's not. Well, like, yeah, I, I just, it's so much fun mm-hmm. to play. Like that's yeah. the best part of our job, I think, is so, to, so to just get to play and, and to play with brilliant people who are so funny. I mean, like we had uh, David Rashi in our film, who's yeah. like comic powerhouse, Kim Cattrall, yeah. Honors Home. I mean, uh, Leslie Bibb, it's nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. Like, but isn't that fantastic? Like you can make the films that you've made. You've had like a, like a pretty amazing career thus far and you can still be like, this is nuts. Like I still no. look at my husband and go, look what we get to do. This is our job. This is wild. It is so lucky. Such a gift. It yeah. is such a gift. First of all, did your mom see the movie? She has seen it. And she did you just watch her watching it the whole time? I would have just been like, at on her like watching her out the whole time I sent it to my family my family watched a screener of it in New York I had just finished a cut where I was like okay I think I can start showing this to people and she watched it with my dad and my brother my brother was in the room with them and apparently my dad shed a tear which is very <laughs> sweet and they loved it and they were really proud of me and but there was like there was like one scene where like gotta go gotta go no no and and my mom has this thing where she's like I'm your biggest critic because I'm a normal person okay I'll tell you what the people want okay yeah yeah first of all the impression itself is not normal so what's your mom's first name Kathy Kathy, oh, fantastic. She's like, she's like, I'm the normal people. You got to <laughs> run everything by me first. And then I'll tell you what people want, what, you know, what, what's working, what's not. But she, love it. they loved the film. And uh, we had a screening in New York. Like when I finished my director's cut, you have to, the way it works is you have 10 weeks to get to your director's cut. And then that's what you share with the studio. And then you continue to work on it together with the studio. I, you know, I finished my director's cut and I was like, Bob, I want to send it to you so you can see it. And he goes, I need to see it in the theater with a, with an audience. It's a comedy. It's like, I'm getting old. I got to see it with people. And I'm like, okay, uh, I'll, I'll come to New York. We'll get a group of people together. Like, let's do it. And he's yeah. like, yeah, I got a theater. Let's go. So, <laughs> so, oh so I, I took my parents, my mom and like 15 of her, um, my mom, uh, taught elementary school and all of her other teachers fellow teachers from this elementary school came to the screening oh my god with, you know their partners and 
watch the film and they didn't know this, but Bob came in when the lights went down, sat in the back of the room with me and then snuck out before. Wow. <laughs> so I was like, laugh loud, ladies. Laugh loud. <laughs> Passing around drinks before. Just loosen it up, everybody. Oh, wow. This whole experience has been just absolutely life-changing. And, and, and I feel like I've learned so much. Yeah, like what are some of the things that you're like, I'm, I'm always going to do this on my next set? Well, one of the things that I feel like I've really learned from working with Bob is, is business, how important business is and having business. Like, oh, like a comical physical business. Yeah. Like, an, mm -hmm. like an actor needs something to be doing when they're, you know, they're not, because when you talk to someone, you don't normally just like stand in the middle of the room and talk to them. Mm -hmm. You're doing something. There's something that's else that's going on as you're having a conversation. And mm -hmm. so the importance of business. Yeah. I think is something that I really will take with me. I love seeing actors eating on the screen. <laughs> I do. I love because I think it does. There's something so natural. I mean, I mean, I'm mostly always eating and there's always a snack that's going on. So it's un this is a really unusual time for me to be just talking like this without having three different projects and snacks going. What else? What other things are you taking away? Or from even like the time when you worked on your other projects? I mean, I, I fell in love with dance and shooting dance. I yeah. just, we started work it with this line, dancers are the athletes of God. It's an Albert Einstein quote. Mm -hmm. And I just love it. I think it's so true. I mean, it's just, it's so beautiful. So it's, it's something that uh, on that very uh, small indie project that I'm working on, there's a dance component. And I actually worked with Dietrichs, who's one of the choreographers from Work It. Mm -hmm. he, he choreographed Jake's number. Oh, wait. Um, yeah. He came to New York and like, again, we worked with these um, incredible dancers, like world-class dancers, and did some, some work for Joseph's, this film that I'm making for Joseph Keckler. So that, that was incredible. I mean- Do you have any like things that you're like, I'm never going to do that again? Because like, I feel like we take away every time I, I'm in some sort of creative collaboration, I always leave with something that I'm like, I'm, I'm always going to do this and I'll probably never do that. There's always something that I have um, grown as a person based on that relationship. It's hard to say never because there's like the things that make filmmaking difficult and wonderful are the things that are completely out of our control, you know, right. I, and I have to trust that like from every inconvenience, something beautiful will come. But I will say we shot this last movie in Mobile, Alabama and the weather, mm. <laughs> we're there during hurricane season, not the time to go make a movie in Mobile, Alabama. It rained, first of all, during prep, which was like August in Alabama, it was like 110 degrees and humid. Like you just walked into a steam room, the minute yeah left your house I mean it was just oppressive and then well once we started shooting it was like every day rain every day and our movie's a summer fourth of July weekend movie and it just rained I, I mean it would it would be like we'd have like sun and we'd be like oh yeah great and we'd start shooting the scene and five minutes later the sky would be black and like <laughs> the thunder clouds are rolling in and there's this thing on um union movies there's a rule 
you have to shut down for 30 minutes uh, per every lightning strike in like a five, 10 mile radius or something. Mm -hmm. There was one day where we were shut down for like seven hours or something, oh an hour day. And I was like, losing my mind and you know nobody else gives a shit yeah. everyone else is just like playing cards you know like the camera guys are like yeah whatever like everybody's just just sitting around you know on instagram and right. i'm like losing my mind because i'm yeah. like how the f am i gonna <laughs> get yeah. three scenes shot I'm, I'm gonna have 20 minutes to shoot them like what am i gonna do so you know i think there's a reason that the movie business began in California, but a lot of studio movies are shooting in other places because of tax right. incentives, which is how we ended up shooting Work It in Toronto, which turned out to be such a blessing because right. Toronto's just, I mean, we were there during the summer. I think, I think I would have similar feelings about Toronto if we shot there in January. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, it's a different world for sure. Like if we were shooting Work It in Toronto in January, I would be like, Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> it was oppressive. It was so cold. It was that's, I mean, that's part of your improv makeup, right? When you see stuff like that, like, how did you, like, were you able to roll with it or did you get better at that? That's because I think with a studio movie, you can't, you know, it's not like if we were an indie, yeah, my New York days, I'd be like, Great, get the camera, take it off the sticks. Let's go handheld. Let's go outside. Right. Let's let's do something. You know, like I'm always like, let's always be shooting. Always be like that's right. my ABS. You know, always be yeah. shooting. And like yeah. I'll come up with something in the moment, but because it's a big movie and you got yeah. a big crew and lots of lights and they can't rig the lights if it's raining. You know, it yeah. becomes it. It just shuts you down. That was a real bummer. That was really tough. That was a real challenge. But I don't know that I don't know that I learned anything because if, if the next movie I make, if they're like, hey, we want you to shoot it in New Orleans during hurricane season and it's a movie that I'm passionate about, oh my goodness, you know, I <laughs> oh I, no, like, thank you. I'm like, well, I've been there <laughs> and I highly recommend that we not shoot there. Yeah. But you know, at the end of the day, the person making the decision is someone sitting in an office in LA who is like looking at the bottom line yeah. and not thinking about what the crew and filmmakers and cast are experiencing on the ground. <laughs> yeah. They're so, not worried. They're playing cards. I mean, gosh. It feels like you've had these like momentous, as you say, have changed your life, these projects. Yeah. Every movie I make changes my life. Yeah. Every single, every single one, even the, the indies, because they're personal to me. Yeah. And I make them personal. And so they all feel like a, like a catharsis. It's a mm -hmm. way of, of gaining closure on something. I think therapy is wonderful. My dad is a therapist. I'm in therapy. Like it's, but it's like extra credit for therapy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? you to like work through yeah. stuff in the writing and in the storytelling and in the, you know, that, mm -hmm. um, that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. Well, what did you discover about yourself? Was there anything that surprised you that you didn't, I don't know, like realize you had the ability to do in this last project? Well, it's funny because this last project, it's like a, it's almost like a Capra type comedy where the values are very like traditional, 
where it's like it's about family mm -hmm. and it's about it's it celebrates family and marriage and <laughs> all of these things that you know as a queer person I've always been like I don't know about marriage like I don't know about you know like I'm like Ugh. and then here I am making this movie and literally like every time he gets down and proposes I'm like <laughs> yeah I think it's revealed to me you know I don't know if it's revealed to me how ingrained those values are uh, in all mm -hmm. of us or how maybe I like to think that I'm cooler than I am oh my gosh <laughs> and really at the end of the day I'm a softie my work will always be comedic and heartfelt yeah like that I know yeah I want to make movies that make you laugh throughout and then at the end you're like why am I crying you know? <laughs> where did that come from where did that come from like yeah. those, are, those are the movies that I feel that I like to watch and they're the movies that I want to make because yeah. you can experience catharsis and now with tv there's this it feels like it depends on the, on the show and on the you know but but a lot of times tv can feel like fast food where it's like so good and you just want to keep keep watching it and keep watching it and then there's no real catharsis until maybe the end of the series if right. you're lucky right but yeah because it's cliffhangers right they're like they're it's, luring you to the next episode yeah, like, mm -hmm. come back you want to come back you want to know what happens like yeah shows that are um especially like cliffhangery like mystery like lost kind of things yeah drive me nuts because mm -hmm. i'm like I need to know. I need to make sense of this world. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then I keep watching, keep watching, and then it's like, and then it ends, and you're like, that was it. That was. That. <laughs> you know. But I do see like those cliffhangers. When I see a good cliffhanger at the end of an episode, I'm like, that's good. That you did good. I gotta watch the next. I gotta one. watch the next one. What's your go-to to watch? I like watching rom-coms. I like watching old movies, like films from like the 30s and 40s. Mm -hmm. I like mm -hmm. comedies from that era. I find really fun. I like watching comedies. It's like sometimes I'll watch like a dark documentary and I'll be like, yeah, that was really good. Yeah. And then yeah. you need some sorbet, some comedy sorbet to get. Yeah, yeah. I hear that. I, I like all kinds of things. I mean, I, I and it's funny because I went to the grad film program at NYU and everybody there wants to be like the next Dardenne brothers. Like it's very, you're learning from like, Kirastami and like just, right. just directors from around the world who, who work in drama. And I knew going into film school that I was going to be a comedy yeah. filmmaker. Like I was going to make comedies. That, yeah. that was my goal. Well, with a mom like that. Yeah, with a, a mom a, like a that. A normal quote unquote, <laughs> like that, normal mom like that. But I could really appreciate drama that's well done. And I mm -hmm. think that the best comedies have great drama built oh, yeah. into them. Mm -hmm. you know agreed agreed it's my favorite thing when I mean it's what you're talking about laughing and then at the end or at, there's a moment where you surprise your audience because their hearts are open right their hearts are open laughing and then suddenly you twist and be like also this is true it's, yeah you can't you know you don't laugh because it's fake you laugh because it's hit a nerve and it's true to you yeah exactly yeah. that is just something that's so special about comedy so I like and I, and I do watch TV and I, you know, I watched, um, most recently I just finished Pam and Tommy. I thought it was so good. It was so yeah. well done. Um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Craig Gillespie. 
who directed the first three episodes, he um, he did Cruella, which was my favorite film of 2021, and I'm not ashamed to or 2020. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Oh, that, that I thought it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. I thought the performances were so good. I love the way he moves camera. The camera's constantly moving. I really enjoyed it. I like limited series because it's like you're gonna get to the catharsis. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah. So I really I really love a limited series and. But I have shows I absolutely love. And I, I was really lucky this year, summer, I got to direct on Dickinson, which is one of my favorite yeah. shows. What was that like? Fantastic. Because I, I love the show. Mm -hmm. So can you imagine just like walking onto the set of your favorite show and being able to direct it? Like what? How was your, how were your nerves? Because this is, I, I think about my favorite show and I'm like, oh, can you imagine walking and getting to be part of it? And then I immediately start getting sweaty <laughs> thinking about how nervous it's going to be. I think that to the credit of the showrunner, who's this incredible writer, Elena Smith, she created such a, an ambiance of calm and Everyone was so, it was such a well-oiled machine by the time I came in, because it was, I was season three. Yeah. I directed the penultimate episode. Oh my gosh, that's so, so exciting. It was just such a, a well-oiled machine mm -hmm. to, to meet with the costume designer and like see all the incredible work that she yeah. put into those costumes that are just so beautiful. It felt like a really feminist set and that like, there were a lot of women working on it, which was very cool. Mm. I just had a blast and I, I took it really seriously. Yeah. I was like, okay, you know, I had a, I had a scene where there was like a lot of VFX because there was a mouse in it. And I was like, I had to figure that out. And then I had a sex scene that ended my episode. And I was like, I have to nail this. I cannot fail the gaze. Like, <laughs> no fresh. Like this, and so I storyboarded it. Like I had a whole plan, and it turned out beautifully. And oh, awesome! Really proud of it, and it it was such a wonderful experience because yeah. I just love the world that Elena created and the people that she put together for the show. Okay, do you feel like you approach the pre projects the same way? Like you, you work with folks like Sally Field, Robert De Niro, but then you also work with, um, you know, series people, which are people that have their muscles limber by the time you get there. And then you also have worked with folks that are like internet sensations, and that's where they get their muscles from. I think it's all the same thing. It's all yeah. this, like people forget Sally Field started out as a TV star. You know, she was Gidget. Like yep. she, she started out on television and then she decided that she wanted to be a serious actress and went to yeah. the, you know, went to New York and studied under the, the best and became this incredible, I mean, she, she already was, it was all in her, you mm -hmm. know? And so, and similarly, you know, I think Liza Koshy is just one of the I most think she's incredible comedians I've ever met. Yeah. And she, yeah, she came off of, you know, we found her on like YouTube, like she was doing vines and then YouTube yeah. videos. And the minute I watched her videos, I was like, we have a movie because yeah. I knew I needed somebody who was just balls out funny for the movie mm -hmm. who could dance. And it was really important to me to cast actual dancers for the, the dancer roles. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't want to cast somebody who couldn't dance as like a great dancer. Right. And so Liza was just an incredible dancer and so hysterically funny. Like I watched her stuff and I'm like, man, this is really funny, and really smart 
and she's so young. Yeah. We have a movie here. Yeah. But then you also had like some new newbies on that on that, that set as well. All of our TBDs, the, the kids in yeah. the in the crew were had never been on a set before. Yeah. And they were awesome. They were fantastic. There was such a passion for collaboration on that set. But I just think like the way you approach sets, is it always the same for you? Is it always is it sort of like doing your homework, being prepped, and then being ready for everything? Yeah, definitely. I think I want to create an environment where people feel comfortable and safe and feel at ease because it's comedy. I don't want yeah. people walking on edge, like, you know, like yeah. I, that doesn't serve it. Like it, it only serves us if we feel like we are playing. Yeah. And I cannot tell you how happy I am when I'm on set. I'm so focused and I'm so delighted to just be there. You know, mm-hmm. to be able to get to do what we do. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like we get paid to play. It's I know. Incredible. It's unbelievable. Like, how lucky are we? <laughs> I never take it for granted. I never think, you know, some people, they get into a routine and somebody said, oh, you know, I feel like I'm going to the bank or something like I'm working at the bank. And it's just, and I was like, oh my God, take a break. Take a break. Cause oh, go, I never, go. even when people like pick me up at, <laughs> to go to set and I'm like, good morning. Like, I feel like I'm just. It's, it's kid so at Christmas. exciting. It's mm-hmm. so exciting. And I love like looking at on our last shoot in Mobile, a lot of the PAs were local kids, you know, young, younger people who had never worked on a movie before. And the light and like magic in their eyes. Mm-hmm. And they would just like be on set and see what's going on. And I, you know, especially for the young women, like see a female director. Yeah. It means something. Absolutely. And it was just so much so much fun when you said like every film changes your life and you learn something is there something that you're like I need to do this I need to tell this story there's something in my gut that I need to do like you know as someone who writes and directs I like really see directing as writing and directing are one and the same I've always had a hand in the writing of the things that I've collected and so because I, I see them as like if I can't hear it and hear it in the way that it's in my like it doesn't it's not gonna work yeah and also like being in charge of the story crossing over into the visual I think yeah, yeah I can't really see. I don't understand directors who don't write it doesn't make sense to me um yeah I know there are lots of them I I'm just like how do you do that because it's I come at it from a place of like writing and mm-hmm. improv and just hearing it like the best yeah. some of the best jokes are the ones that I think you come up with on the spot on yeah. the day that just come Absolutely. out of nowhere you know so I wrote a script um during lockdown that I really want to make it's about a writer I keep returning to stories about writers because I am a writer mm-hmm. <laughs> so I made this film my first film that I directed uh was this this indie called Fits and Starts about a writer and his relationship and it stars Wyatt Cenac and um I, you're looking at the poster yeah I was gonna say I wish you had some promo material I know <laughs> the, the painting is adorning my living room I love it and so this feels like a continuation it's like it's about this female writer of, of a certain age who Italian uh no <laughs> <laughs> but uh she's uh, a New Yorker and she goes to LA for a week of general meetings and it's it's kind of everything that happens in that 
that week. And so I really want to make that, I would love to make that this summer or as soon as I, I possibly can, or the fall, just yeah. to, you know, it's, it's fun when you, you're, you're in control of the whole, the whole thing. Like, I feel like you've had a bunch of your big breaks, you know, like, so some people are like, that was your big break. Yeah. And then you're like, wait a second. No, this is my big break. And it doesn't feel like you have that kind of an out of breath quality when people think that they just have to keep up with their own career. Like, it feels like you're just, just telling more stories. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's, it's um, shifted things for you other than you've had this great experience. Yeah. You know, we'll see what happens when the movie comes out. Mm -hmm. Would you care if people didn't like it? People will like it. I mean, I I'm sure they will, but like, it feels like you have such faith in the experience that it won't matter what the reviews are. Reviews are their own fickle, fickle thing. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten good ones and I've gotten meh ones. And there's literally a line in the movie that I, I wrote where it's like, if you believe the good ones, then you have to believe the bad ones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so what really means something to me is when I get like a DM from someone who found uh, fits and starts online and is like, oh my God, I love this movie. Thank mm -hmm. you so much for making it or work it for that matter. Or, mm -hmm. you know, like that kind of stuff. It, that someone took the time to be like, oh, this is the director. I'm going to write them. Like that, yeah. so, that's so meaningful. Yeah. And again, it's like, it's all about, at the end of the day, I make the films I want to see and I am guided by a sense of like truth. Like this yeah. is a story I know. This is a story that I can tell because I'm emotionally connected to it. So I'm gonna intuitively, emotionally know where to put the camera and what music to use and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I feel like as long as I continue to do that, I'll be happy. I mean, I'm so happy right now. Like I'm like, <laughs> like this has been an incredible experience and I'm excited yeah. for what's whatever's to come next. I, I kind of like being able to like go. And that's, yeah. that's the job too, right? Yeah. Like that's our work. We could both, you know, in a couple of weeks, get shipped off to wherever to yeah. go do something. And how cool that we get to travel as part of so our, cool. our work. Yeah. What are you leaving the pandemic with? Man, so much. I, I feel like I did it right. Like I really... And you wrote. It, it, it feels like you grew your hair and you wrote a, a, some... I grew my hair out. I discovered, I discovered hiking. Got really into hiking, which was great. Yeah. Like I said earlier, like I really went inward and kind of was like, okay, this is my life. This is this is how much time I have left. This is how many movies I have left. Mm -hmm. What are the stories I want to tell? Like that isn't that crazy? It's yeah. kind of intense because you you never do Wait. that because you're like, I think if I hadn't had that moment to breathe, I would have been mm. like, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next mm -hmm. thing? I thought it was really really beneficial to just take a minute and go this is it. Like, this yeah. is my life. This is the time is passing. This how much time has passed. Yeah. And I, I have this many movies left. If I'm yeah. left, what do I want those movies to be? It's not that many, you know? And it's going to have to be a great movie to uh, replace one of those too. Like if somebody says, Hey, I don't want you to work on your project. I want you to come and work on this project. It's going to have to be really amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I love it. 
I could talk to you all day. This is, it's going to have to go on. We're going to have to like next time. Do I get to ever ask you a question? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's do that. We'll turn the tables. You can ask me a question. (laughs) Okay. What are you watching? What are you loving? Oh, okay. In terms of television. We watched Afterlife. Okay. What did you think of Afterlife? Not seen it. Okay. That's the Ricky Gervais. Oh, okay. It will present Ricky Gervais in a light that maybe you won't have seen before because he definitely like shows himself in this vulnerable like heartbreaking but then there's also super collegiate comedy within that show that I'm not as much of a fan but I still I'm I'm in for it that whole and again it's like it's it's British right so they do the three is that two seasons or three seasons but they do a limited season so you get the completion of a story okay we're rocking the the Columbo we call the SIBO we're we're watching like old-timey Columbo stuff wow yeah interesting i think you might dig that too because it's really wild not only to see like the arc of that character and the routine of it like i've heard of colombo but yeah kim cattrall was in the uh, episode last night what yeah okay now i'm yeah. really to watch it like oh. what did you grow up watching i kind of grew up watching like the like wkrp in cincinnati and SCTV like those were my comedies what did you watch in terms of comedies yeah a league of their own sister yeah. act I mean those yeah. were like my yeah. seminal comedies growing up like a yeah. league of their own is still one of my favorite films of all time I just think it's a masterpiece yeah you know? I can't wait for the series to come out you know I read this thing about it where Penny Marshall said that for a league of their own the actresses had to pass the baseball test so every one of those actresses in the movie had to be able to play ball convincingly. Yeah. And they, and they that. actually cut a lot of actors. They just didn't look convincing playing baseball, which makes perfect sense. You can't have someone, Yeah. you know, if you see them throwing badly, you're like, this isn't, this isn't right. Something's wrong. Like it kind of. It's like if they'd watched, uh, watched you not being able to dance in uh, yeah. cra- crazy for you. Was it crazy yeah. for you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, then they'd be like, wait a second. That's why with Work It, I was like, we have to cast dancers. Like we yeah. have to cast actual dancers because like with Quinn, I was like, Quinn doesn't have to dance, you know, because Quinn learns to dance. Yeah. But everyone else should be a dancer because they're playing dancers. And thankfully, yeah. that's what we did. And it shows like, shows for sure jordan like jordan come on backflipping like that was him that was the stunt double he was doing backflips like it was incredible yeah can i give you a wild uh comparison is that before i auditioned for you i also was in the parking lot dancing to eye the tiger (laughs) i'm not kidding i was like dancing it up yep i love it i love Um, it much. All right, I'm going to wrap up with some firecracker questions. You ready for these? Okay, let's do it. All right, to me, a firecracker is? To me, a firecracker is someone with wit and integrity. Uh, what do you want to be best known for? Making work that is both humorous and heartfelt. I love that. I love that. You mean both. If this was a movie, if your life was a movie, has there been like a climactic turning point that changed your life forever? I think there have been a series of them. Making Hello, My Name is Doris with Michael Showalter and Sally Field was absolutely a turning point for me. It's like, wow, I'm doing this at a level that 
is just, you know, I, I can't even believe I'm here. And yeah. similarly, working on about my father felt like a turning point. So. Yeah. Like while you're working with Sally Field, if I had said, hey, you know what? I bet there'll be a time when you work with Robert De Niro. Like, okay, okay, <laughs> Naomi. Okay, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next? Uh, what's something that people don't know about you other than you took ballroom dancing lessons, which I love. I am an avid hiker and I did not go on my first hike until I was 30 years old, maybe, maybe older. I, I grew up in New York, you yeah. know, but yeah, like in New York, where are you going to go hiking? And my brother took me on a trip to Southern Utah one fall. He was like, I got to get out of here. I got to, I got to go somewhere. I got to go wide open spaces. I need, and I was like, okay, I'm in. And so we went on this incredible life-changing trip where mm. we hiked every day. And I was like, people get to do this? Yeah. Just get to walk in nature? Like, uh, such I, a new york baby this is incredible like i was yeah. you know just seeing expanses i love it i love yeah. it I just it's it's like you can really quiet the mind and be present with yourself and mm -hmm. there's something so um peaceful about it so. mm -hmm. what's something that you haven't done but you know that you need to do go to paris i've never been to paris oh my gosh you yes that's that's so funny i feel like it's something's in the zeitgeist right now because i'm talking to so many people, Matt and I, Matt's never been to Paris. And it's like, we, ha I have, it's something integral about our makeup that we need to go. Like, how have I not done that? That's, that's nuts. So yeah. Your next film says open on a street in Paris and then you'll go. <laughs> what is some advice that maybe you received either the best advice or the worst advice uh, about, about directing? One of the most memorable, um, moments for me. I remember when I finished film school, I was in my third year at NYU and I was terrified. I was like, what am I going to do? I'm, I'm going to get out of here. What am I going to do? How am I going to make money? Like this is, mm -hmm. this is terrifying, mm -hmm. you know? And I was so nervous. I, I was talking to John Tintori, who uh, was the head, he was the chair of the film program at the time. And he looked at me and I was like, I'm scared. I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, for a living, like for money. And, you know, and he, and he was like, Laura, you are so powerful. And he said, he looked me in the eyes and he said it with such conviction. And I don't think I fully understood what he meant mm. because when you're at NYU, you're in your little bubble, you know, but what I've learned now working in Hollywood for, for the last few years is the skills that, that you have learned here have prepared you for everything that you're about to encounter, you know, like everything. In fact, that worst case scenario, I can use the camera. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I can pick up the boom. I can like, yeah. It was so true. And just like the way he looked at me and said it, I'll never forget it. Mm -hmm. and, it and it was true. I love that story so much. Is there somebody in your life, a firecracker in your world that you can shine a little light on? Tell us about. Yeah. I am friends with Emily Hampshire. I love um, Emily Hampshire. Wonderful actress and writer. And she uh, has a comic book coming out. No kidding. Yeah, it's called Amelia Airwood, Basic Witch. Awesome. 
you can pre-order it. I just pre-ordered my copy. How did you two meet? We met uh, on uh, audition. So <laughs> yeah, I think she's just such a tremendous performer and, and artist and um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Final question is advice, advice to you, a younger Laura growing up. Don't be afraid of who you are because who you are is what makes you great. Mm. It is so good to see you. You too. Oh my gosh. I'm so so happy to have some time with you. And I've been so looking forward to catching up and like, I love the stories you have and that you have so much to offer. And I'm so happy to share your voice with everybody. I think it's not only in your art, but in the way you do your art is, is really, I love it. Thank you. And I feel really smug that I got to see it like firsthand and just watch you. Cause I remember watching you going, like the, you know, you and I did talk about a buffet of choices uh-huh. and I love that. I love the idea of flipping and going like, what happens if we try this as like a really intense, from an intense perspective and then flip it to co- comedic and mm-hmm. y- you just, you bring so much play. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. It was All a right. pleasure working with you. Mwah. Bye. 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 You're the best. Bye. <laughs> how cool is Laura but how cool is she now she's worked with Robert De Niro and Sally Field what like you think about your career and you think oh one day I'd like to work with those folks and she has worked with them so she's had this sort of like fuel to her creative fire that I just can't wait to see where it goes next now for your latest Laura updates you're going to follow her on Instagram at Laura Teruso L-A-U-R-A-T-E-R-R-U-S-O Like I always say, remember folks, there's always a seat for you at the firecracker table because our table has many, many leaves. Yeah, many leaves and many great snacks. They're virtual right now because we're all online still, but one day the firecracker table will just be like, oh, just a cornucopia of fantastic snacks. And we're here. We're here for you always if you need a little burst of fuel for your creative action. Pull up a chair. Tell us what you're working on. And of course, tell us how we can help you. Drop us a line on the comments or on our socials at firecrackerdept or send me an email at firecrackerdepartment at gmail.com because we would love to hear from you always. To find out what's going on, visit our website, firecrackerdepartment.com. And while you're there, if you haven't already, subscribe to our now bi-monthly newsletter to get the inside scoop on everything that's going on in Firecracker Department world. There is something for everyone like weekly writing bursts, weekly Sunday brunches, mentorship workshops, monthly wellness mini moments, script readings. Uh, Gosh, you know what? We have something for everybody. And don't forget to check the rest of the podcast guests because there's so many amazing conversations that I've had on this podcast and today was no exception. And if you're wondering, oh, I wonder what Firecrack Department's up to today. Go have a look at our handy dandy calendar on our website to keep in touch with everything that's going on. All right, go out there. What are you doing today? Are you gonna do some sort of creative action? I love the idea that everybody's got their different steps towards creative action. Some people start it by opening a blank page and starting to write, or somebody might put up a canvas and start painting. Somebody might meet somebody for a coffee and that would inspire a new project. So what kind of creative action are you taking today? I'd love if you dropped me a line and let me know how you are working, what you're working on and how we can help. Thanks for joining me today on the Firecracker Department. I'm Naomi. Bye for now. 
Winnie Wong is our Firecracker Head producer. Follow her at Wonder underscore Wong on Instagram and Wonder underscore Wong 8 on Twitter. This episode is edited by Shane Stoltz. You can follow them at Shane Stoltz, all one word, and Shane with a Y. This intro was written by the one and only wonderful Winnie Wong. That's right, she's a triple W. The rest of the team comes at you from Toronto, Los Angeles, Austin, London, Dubai, and truly from all over the world. Thanks also to Jeff Malutinovic and Igor Korea for our theme music, and thanks to you. Yeah, you, sitting there, driving there, walking there, working out there, and taking time to listen. We know there's a lot of options out there, and we really appreciate you choosing us. We hope to see you at maybe brunch, maybe the writing workshop, and until next time, thank you for listening to the Firecracker Department. We'll see you next time. 